Welcome to B Plot Podcast, the podcast where we take a look at some of the biggest movies from days gone by. Ignore it. Look at the ones that came out on the exact same day. Um, it's our Oscar special. Uh, that, uh, as much as anything that Sam and I do, can be described as special. Uh, um, it's the Oscar special where we look at the Oscar movies that are going to come out and vie for the Oscar for the statue in 2021. This time around, Mank. Sam, do you want to take us quickly th- uh, through Mank so that we can discuss it? Let's go. Th- yeah. So Mank is the story of Herman J. Mankiewicz, the writer who co-wrote Citizen Kane with Orson Welles, and this is a 1930s style movie, semi semi biographical about his life. Lots of liberties taken. But it's really just that as he goes as he goes to kind of uncover Hollywood elites using their power to influence elections. We have Gary Oldman in the title role uh, as Herman Mankiewicz, and we have uh, Charles Dance in the role of a W.R. Hearst, uh, a newspaper tycoon from uh, the early 20th century. And uh, we have Amanda Seyfried as his uh, uh, as his mistress, mm. and also the, the as the actress Marion Davis as the actress Marion Davis. Thank yeah. you. And uh, she kind of to understand this, you kind of have to have a little bit of knowledge about Citizen Kane. So Herman Mankiewicz writes the screenplay Citizen Kane. Um, it kind of shows the travails of his life through Hollywood in the thirties, and uh, he writes Citizen Kane, and it's very clearly based on uh, W. R. Hurst and his life. And it's the struggles that Herman Mankiewicz has writing the screenplay um, along with Orson Welles instead of Orson Welles. Well, the film, yeah. So the film presents it as all Mankiewicz. Mm. Which there's, I mean, there's a lot of, of course, that's that's the whole thing, right? This has been, this is a subject that's been revisited, I think, every year since Citizen Kane in some form or another, but uh, I did a bit of research because I was just interested in historians, film historians, again, take their word as you will. It seems to be that the a lot of the flair and a lot of the sort of set PC uh, witty gusto of Citizen Kane comes from Orson Welles, but a lot of the fundamental storytelling and uh, building blocks come from Mankiewicz. Yeah. And the Mank itself, uh, directed by David Fincher, um, from a screenplay that his dad wrote, mm. um, c- kind of follows that that broad broad arc. It, um, at one point, I think the key to the film is a line where he says that two hours isn't enough uh, to capture a man's life, whole life. You can only leave an impression of it. Yeah, that was it was actually really that's quite nice. It's trite, but it's it's quite nice. I like that. And Mank tries to do the same. So. You have the you jump between two timelines in this film. You jump between um, him actually furiously writing uh, the screenplay for uh, Citizen Kane, and you jump between his life in Hollywood in the 1930s and him kind of rubbing up against people like uh, Louis B. Mayer from MGM and rubbing up against uh, W. R. Hurst, and just him uh, trying to well, not trying to him living in in Hollywood during that time during the the kind of the one of the first golden ages, uh, whatever it was. Sam, what did you think? Just before we get like deep into it, I think you know, it's it's a it's a weird one because it's David Fincher, and and I 
kind of strapped in my attitude going into this movie was I feel like I have to watch this movie and I was well well, well you did Sam because we I were did. going to discuss we, it yeah, for, yeah. you did have to watch it <laughs> but but a lot of the film, some of the films we do I'm excited to watch this isn't one I was particularly like excited about and for the first half hour I will say I was quite bored and then it kind of it got me in a way but it never held on to me throughout the whole movie so I, I just felt like w- that to go back to that two hours is only enough to leave an impression of a man i did by the time i'd finished the film i was sort of like what's the extra 12 minutes for then because i really don't feel like i've gotten anything and it is the fact that uh the character mankowitz is he's characterized but there's no character there Mm. that was okay what i left feeling what about you i understand that i it was one of those movies where i was kind of looking forward to it being done so that I could talk about it with you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it was a good movie. Oh, sorry. I, I shouldn't say that. That's unfair. It's good, like lowercase good. But it is ultimately kind of, you know, it kind of slips through your fingers like sand. Like there's nothing really to hold on to. And I don't, <laughs> obviously, David Fincher didn't, I don't know if he tried to do this, but it does seem that the movie almost exactly mirrors that debate about Citizen Kane. Because mm. the movie is, with the exception that it's not written very well, but it's, the direction is incredible. Mm. Really, really like interesting things that he does with with different stocks and different kind of, no, it's all digital, so it's different kind of treatments of, because um, it's not a deep black and white. It's kind of like a, I don't know how to say this word, a simulacrum. Like I don't know a, what that is. It's like a, it looks like a black and white, but it's not quite black and white. So you can tell that it's been made in the recent past. Yeah. But yeah, he leaves like little pieces of flair, like little um the little cigarette burns that you would get from the uh, from the changing of reels. Um <laughs> the cigarette which, burns that almost annoyed me in a way after a while. Like the first time I was like, Oh, that's cute. And then yeah. it is it's a two you know, it's a two hour, twelve minute movie. I was like, I get it. I, I get it. And and there's so much treatment has been done to the film uh, to make it look like a 1930s movie. But because those effects, those effects aren't as good as the kind of lack of effects that they're trying to recreate, a lot of the time it just felt a bit uncanny valley for me. That's more than fair. I think it's more than fair. Um, this movie also felt a little bit, uh, it felt, I don't know, it felt a little bit middle brow. Mm, like you know what it, I mean? Yeah, like it, it wants you to feel smart, but none of us are smart. Yeah, like yeah. if it was, if it went a level higher, mm. I think um, that would be interesting. Perhaps a bit more alienating, but maybe more interesting for whatever it was. If it, you know, it was trying to pull off a concept that's more difficult. Mm. Um, if it was a level below and it went dumber and was more entertaining, yeah. maybe that would be more fun. That would be more fun too. But in the end, it's kind of stuck between this, this really like fucking Wednesday afternoon warm mayonnaise kind yeah. of movie where it's like it's clever sometimes but not nearly as clever as it thinks and it's also i'm not neither i'm not nearly as clever as the movie thinks yeah so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i end up feeling alienated a lot of the time well this is the this is the other thing man i feel like i d- i don't have a, like a massive in-depth knowledge of hollywood in this period i've i've seen citizen kane i look mm-hmm. i i it's did great. I did film studies at college, right? I saw Citizen Kane in film studies at college. I don't remember 
I've, I should probably rewatch Citizen Kane after this because I feel like it will help recontextualize this movie. But it does feel like half of the film is just two minute Easter eggs of, oh, and look, this person was alive at this time. And all these little references to what was around where I'm like, I don't know if this is for, I don't know if this is for Netflix or if this is for like private showings just in Hollywood. Do you know what I mean? There's a, I mean, look, it does. It, what I did find interesting is, um, and we, and this will be a kind of theme throughout, we're talking about these kind of little, these Oscar movies, is why was this nominated? I think this was nominated, uh, obviously to throw, I think of the off offerings that Netflix had, maybe throw this one a bone. Because you have to kind of, it seems at this point, like ignoring Netflix is a, is a fool's errand. But I was really interested in the depiction of Hollywood as a kind of force for bad. Yeah. The depiction of Hollywood as a right-wing force. So just to give a little bit of background there is um, this, the, what at least one of the timelines is set, a, 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 a set back to the backdrop, set along the backdrop of a... Uh, a govern a government I think it's called a gubernatorial election for to elect the government. Not the government, the governor. And um and this is for Upton Sinclair, a kind of Bernie Sanders style for the people, progressive uh Democrat uh, slash socialist. And uh there's a on a, on the right hand side there's uh Frank Merriam, who's the uh the uh, GOP side, the um the conservative side. And Hollywood backs the conservative side, something that would not happen today, never happen today. Um, that ship has sailed. They might, it might switch back around, but it, it would never happen today. And so I think there is, from Finch's point of view, from our 2020 point of view, a kind of like an, an idea of looking back at Hollywood, how, it's, how much it's changed, but how in many ways it's still mm. the same. I, wanna, I do want to rewind on that, though, because um, Hollywood the the big six it is this is the thing is even at this time in the 30s they're posing as liberal they're still posing they're not um they're not making conservative propaganda for the time until they are it's like so okay just it's a key plot point of the movie spoiler alert is where where this tips over is Mankiewicz finds out that the uh, MGM have been uh, giving first-time directors an opportunity to get a credit by staging real news interviews with people on the street as propaganda for the, the conservative elect. Um, and that's kind of the tipping point. Is like, oh, you're using fiction. You've got so good at replicating real-world news that you're making your own up. And when we look at, like, say, Fox as, you know, not maybe not... Well, no, 20th Century Fox, man. It's like, that's all Murdoch. That is still happening today. I do think this is a, a different version, a different view of Hollywood um, from, from what we have now. I do, even at least to itself, Hollywood tries to present itself as, as quite progressive and quite liberal. The the level to which being in Hollywood and making movies does have any sort of political agency and being a political project. I think that is interesting. I think there, I think that is an interesting subject and a subject that Hollywood doesn't really reckon with anymore. There's a kind of status quo and 
that's kind of accepted and there's to the left of this and to the right of it. But the question of how should we, should we, that's not a question that anyone really asks, not in, not in the art as we receive it at least, you know? So you can talk about things like income inequality and, and, and uh, gender inequality and sexism and homophobia, but the question of whether or not or how you probably should is not really a question that's brought up mm. at all. And I think that is interesting that the movie kind of moves into that that phase, it's very much, it's not necessarily the whole project, mm. but it, it, it does spend a lot of time there. Um, I wanted to ask you, did you actually look at some of, because they are available, those newsreel footages that, um, yeah. that MGM made. Yeah. They're really fascinating. Yeah. They're really interesting because here I am sitting 80 years later. I know that it is propaganda, mm. but they, they kind of scanned Yeah, to me as just people giving real opinions. Yeah, they check out. Uh, I I watched I watched a couple of side by sides as well because I was like it is it's done fairly faithfully in the film as to what the propaganda was and I think but this is the other thing I think where this film shies away fr uh, in plot from where it should steer into is like act that was when I started getting roped in when I was like oh there's actually like this really interesting kind of like political what's going on undercurrent here and the the film never really pays it off and because it doesn't I th and i get i think that is the core crux of it it just doesn't really follow through on any theme in terms of is this about an alcoholic writer doing his best work is this about like a political change is this about the depression and it it doesn't really come through and and the reason why i had to dig and do a bit of research but it's like a lot of the stuff about herman j mankowitz being like a good dude isn't true either there's a there's a scene the scene where they're having a uh a big party um i can't remember whether it's marion's award or the election party or whatever but it's i i looked up a bit of history it's the only actual like liberal socialist in the room was charlie chaplin mm. at the, in one of one of those party scenes and i felt i did feel quite manipulated by there is a a bit where um mankowitz's nurse doesn't want him to get booze he's supposed to be in a dry house in a dry state right so he's been withheld from alcohol he's got this german nurse the other nurse is like i'm going to snitch on you for uh smuggling all this booze in and then she goes to the german nurse and the german nurse is like look we're german jews he saved like a hundred of us from the village and brought us over here and i was like huh leaning in this is interesting what is this piece of history i don't know about and it's all fabricated and i was like hmm the, the most likable thing about the character, again, is like a footnote uh, fiction rather than something that was actually in there. And I'm like, I, I, I think that's what holds it back is there's no honesty in it. I mean, I have to say, this is one of my um, big pet peeves in, in film in general. Something that Trial of the Chicago 7 also did uh, quite egregiously, save. quite egregiously. Yeah. Is it Save the Cat? No, no, it's not save the cat. It's that when when you have when you include a throwaway line that is so uh, that is such a, a a heavy topic or a heavy idea, but it's it's a kind of side street to the main movie. For example, in Trial of the Chicago Seven, it's that woman um, being thrown on the floor and they, they, those men attempting to rape her. Yeah, um, that can't be scenery. Yeah. That can't be something to give a bit of color to a story. That's a mm. whole story. Yeah. 
Same thing with what you just brought up there. You can't bring up offhandedly that this guy saved a bunch of Jews. Yeah. From the concentration camps. That's not an offhand. That's a, an entire... In fact, it is an entire movie. That's why we have Schindler's List. Yeah, <laughs> just, it's exactly that. We just drilled down and made an entire film. So like, I I find that um, manipulative, like you said, and I and and um, and crass. <laughs> as well, it's crass um, to do something like that, um, especially if it isn't true. Yeah, especially if it isn't true. And and I th- and again, I think that's. That's the avenue because really the the way we're seeing this movie is just we're seeing worse and worse events play out behind the scenes in Hollywood, and then the uh, the thing as audience that we're supposed to do with that information is go and this is what Mankiewicz used to write Citizen Kane, but part of me's like. Oh, it's like a 15 minute docu like intro introduction to Citizen Kane, not necessarily like a a kind of all over the place drama. And I, I, this is the thing about, I, I, it's David Fincher, right? The guys, he is, he is so good at what he does, but this, this feels like uh, just a, a step too far away for like, you look at seven and social network and it hit like, you look at Fincher's other movies and they're all so Zodiac that they're all, so tight around what their theme or story is uh, that they never really when they stray they stray with like such reason and this didn't really feel i left feeling like that film could have ended any point after the hour mark and i'd have been like yeah i guess you were trying to say something look man you know what i'm gonna say Mm. you know why my man got nominated it's because this isn't a banger (laughs) because yeah yeah it's just not entertaining no bangers. If, if he made an entertaining movie that was more funny, more tense, uh, more sex, my man's get my man uh, would not even get near this nomination. But and it's not, and I'm saying this because I know that he has the capacity to make fucking bangers after bangers. This is a guy who has in his discography, of his filmography, sorry, a guy has Seven, Fight Club, Zodiac, Social Network, and then he was like, all right, let me. Let me let me yeah. let me get some credibility up in here. Yeah. <laughs> and he makes this largely dreary, again, middle brow um story about Hollywood that um is neither here nor there, but is uh, phenomenally made. Phenomenally made. I do think it's it looks great. Dude, middle brow is the death of anything. I mm. I I say this fully. If you're gonna make something, don't make it middle brow. Make trash. Mm. make trash make something that's just like genre fiction that's just dumb and everyone's like Uh, or there's like um outrageous things where people get shot all the time or make something really high art and like try and like rack up the baftas but Mm. don't don't make don't make middle bra things man that's really the death of anything do you think this where do you think this ranks out of the films we've watched so far on the bid for an Oscar for best picture? Uh, so at this point in time we have uh The Father for me which is still uh number 1 um number 2 I think is probably uh as a movie that I've already seen but of the ones that we've seen mm. um I would say this is number 2 number 3 I would say is Trial of the Chicago's um I would be shocked if this wins anything I, I, would be sh- I would be shocked. There is one thing I think it deserves, and I think 
but it's a double-edged sword because for the music, the original score, I thought was fucking brilliant. If like, and if anyone listening has played Cuphead, this movie is Cuphead in the background soundtrack. Everything sounds like it's from the thirties, like it's bands. It's mastered really nicely. But the other side of it is that they tried to do the same thing with the dialogue, and because it's a Netflix movie, and I'm not being told. <laughs> where to set my soundbar it just always all the dialogue was just like a strain to listen to because they've got a <laughs> shitty tv um yeah yeah but you got the subtitles on right you don't watch no. oh man i can't watch if i can speak the language i can't i can't watch with subtitles man see i've i something happened in my mind i think a, a door opened and another one closed where i can't watch anything without subtitles now anything anything I mean, even if it's english i have to see it i have to see the subtitles bro no, that's in fact, in fact i get mad if i had to watch something live and there's no <laughs> i wait until the next day so i can watch it with the subtitles on <laughs> just because I, I get too upset that's insane i always do you, i read faster than people can talk if the subtitles are done well it's not an issue and often this is really what it is as i'm I'm a fucking, you know, I'm a, like a little piggy. I'm eating nine times out of ten. And so I can't hear what they're saying over the, sound, <laughs> over the sound of me chewing. And so I have to have the subtitles on. See, I'm the other way. I can't see the subtitles because I'm too busy, like, half looking at my food. Now, see, that's it. But then somewhere in between there, um, we should have enough, right? We should have <laughs> yes. enough of the movie. In between those two yeah, deficiencies, yeah, yeah. we should come up with enough. <laughs> Look, that's Mank done. Um, we uh, keep checking it out. Let us know what you think of the Oscar movies on um, on our Instagrams at Lincoln on the mic and at Sam Jake Olin. And uh, we'll see you guys or speak to you guys next time. Mm. Peace. <laughs>